his faithful love endures forever. Uh, please place your uh, prayer request on the yellow sheet in your bulletin if you have any. Also, too, we uh, share with the food, um, to the food, not to the food bank, but we do to Helping Hands, which is a Christian ministry up on 37th and Hydraulic. We also um, baby change uh, for the babies that uh, do not have the personal items that they need, that parents, uh, both of uh, mothers without by themselves and also parents that can't afford it. Uh, my heart is steadfast, O God, and I will sing. I will sing praises even with my soul. Let's stand together and worship our God as we sing when morning gilds the skies. gone by where we've been bombarded by media and the world trying to drag us into sin but the good news is is that if we confess our sins that they will be forgiven please join me in this prayer of confession almighty God as we stand before you we realize you see us as we really are in our sinful ways the words we speak the attitudes we have and the actions we take have fallen way short of your perfection. The fear of death we have is confiscated by the power of your resurrection. The shame of our guilt is swallowed up in the ocean of your mercy. The stain of our sin has been washed away by the pure cleansing detergent of your blood. O oh Lord, how blessed we are to be completely free of all of that and to live in the confidence of an assured future. All this we can experience because of the love you brought to us through Jesus' death on Calvary. This, Almighty God, gives us cause to rejoice in you forever in Jesus. Amen. Our assurance of pardon this morning comes from 1 Peter 1, verses 18 and 19. God paid a ransom to save you from the impossible road to heaven which your fathers tried to take, and now the ransom he has paid not mere gold or silver, as you very well know, but he paid for you with the precious lifeblood of Christ, the sinless, spotless Lamb of God. Our guidelines for living this morning also comes from 1 Peter 1, verse 21. 
Because of this, you can, your trust can be in God who raised Christ from the dead and gave him great glory. Now your faith and hope can rest in him alone. Now you can have real love for everyone because your souls have been cleansed from selfishness and hatred when you trusted Christ to save you. So see to it that you really do love each other warmly with all your hearts. Let's continue in our worship and let's stand. Thank you, Scott. And let's sing together our praise chord.
of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Perhaps the main message of this hymn is found in the second verse, verse, which says, Can we find a friend so faithful who will all our sorrows share? Jesus knows our every weakness. Take it to the Lord in prayer. The last line of the hymn is the promise, In his arms he'll take and shield thee, thou wilt find us solace there was written in 1855 by Joseph Scriven. Father in heaven, we just give you praise and glory and honor for being such a friend to us. By your divine will, sending Jesus Christ to the earth to save us. Not only to save us, but to care for us and to be our friend. And what a friend you are, to 
give us salvation, give us protection, and even when our hearts are troubled and weary, you lift our hearts as we pray to you. Help us not neglect such great a gift. Thank you, Lord, for these folks who give from their hearts because they are blessed by you. In Jesus' name, amen. Come to the Lord in prayer. Father in heaven, we thank you this day for the blessing that we have to come to you in prayer, to bring before you all our concerns, our worries, and our cares. We praise you today, Lord, that uh, you're a God, a great God, who knows exactly what is needed. And we pray for our country, we pray for our president, our Congress, our uh, judicial branch, Lord, as they, Lord, we just pray that they will hear the voices of those who wrote the Constitution and the, and, uh, the, the Declaration of Independence, Lord, and hear what these men 
understood and do what those men did, that every time they framed a phrase or a thought that they got on their knees and prayed, Lord, I just pray that that will happen in our Congress and Senate. We pray especially too, Lord, for our country right now so divided, and we pray for the young men and women who defend us both in the foreign lands and also on our streets. Men and women, Lord, we also pray for those who are in their lives uh, right now our congregation. Uh, just pray, Father God, that you will work our lives uh, to bring healing. We pray, too, Father, for um, those in our congregation who seal and, and um, those who um, are like Joyce and um, Mary. His son continues to prepare himself for um, what's going on in his life. We pray also too, Lord God, for uh, Susie and her illness. I pray for our brother Don as he gets surgery this week on his back. We pray also too, Father God, for um, those who struggle with addictions. And uh, I pray for Ryan and Jordan and David and uh, Brady, and I pray for Eric and Ricky, all those, Lord, that have difficulties in their life. We think of Howard, um, who um, had surgery on his brain, and we pray for continued healing and, and that uh, the hole will close. We thank you for uh, my own body, Lord, and for uh, my doctor, and I praise you for the healing that has come. And now, Father, also, too, I pray uh, for Jessica and for uh, her um, cancer as she continues to battle. Uh, be with her, Lord, and bring healing. And also that she hears the gospel from her friends and loved ones that are around her that are trying to encourage her to look to Jesus. And Father, we lift up others that we have right now to you, Lord. Uh, hear our prayers as we lift them up by name. You know their situation. Thank you, Lord, for hearing these prayers. Through Jesus Christ, we pray this. Amen. She was a beautiful girl, 21 years old. Alexandra Black had just graduated from Indiana State University. And in 2018, December, she took on a fourth internship at the Conservatory Center in Burlington, South Carolina, which is basically a zoo. She always wanted to be a zoo worker. She always wanted to spend her time in that. But that morning, a mistake was made. A door was left open. And that young woman was in the cage when the lion came out and mauled her to death. The zoo keeper said that it was very quick. The lion pounced on her and took her out very quickly. And they are overwhelmed with grief to lose such a wonderful young lady who cared a lot about animals and also wanted to help people understand the animal kingdom. 
But as we all know, both the villages that live in Africa and Australia and some of the wilds of our world left. Lions are dangerous animals. And today, if you remember, Peter is speaking to the congregation in Asia Minor. As we're closing out this book, Peter addresses them as resident aliens. He talks to them that are in Asia Minor, Pontius, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, Bithynia, and in that area where the Romans' providences. There were they being abused and they were being persecuted. One, because they would not claim, and they were considered atheists, because they would not claim that they would not claim that Caesar was Lord, but instead would claim Jesus Christ as Lord. And that they also were being punished because they were being blamed by Nero of why Rome was burning, when in all actuality he was burning it so that he could build an idol for himself. And so they were taken out of their homes, they were thrown into lion's dens, they were found themselves to be burned at the stake in the garden of Nero. And these people had a lot of anxiety. Last week we talked about the humility that comes with knowing Jesus Christ and how that humility helps us to overcome anxiety, and especially these people who were overcome with anxiety. But today, as Peter was preparing his people, told them that they were bought out by their Father in heaven, chosen, blood of Jesus Christ washed away their sin, and the Holy Spirit lived within them, that they were of a royal priesthood, a bridge to the world, for Jesus Christ and how they suffered was so incredible. But now, Peter turns to another area that is quite critical in our teaching today. And Peter turns another aspect of the suffering of which they are taking part in. Peter wants them to understand because he knew very well what he went through. If you remember, the Bible says, and Peter says, be alert, be sober, be on your alert, your adversary, the devil. Now, Peter knows very much well how he fell victim to the devil and how Jesus warned him. But, you know, he was cocky. He was at the top of his game. Jesus, nothing is going to happen to you. And then Jesus said to him, Simon, Simon, indeed, Satan has asked for you that he may sift you like wheat. And do you remember Peter's claim? Oh boy. He said to Jesus, Lord, I am ready to go with you whether it's to prison or to death. And we remember Jesus' response. I tell you, Peter, that before the rooster crows this day, you're going to deny me three times. And right after that, they went to pray in the garden. And the three close, tight-knit leaders of the group went further with Jesus. And Jesus says to them, 
Stay here and pray because you got a big day coming. And when Jesus finished his prayer and agony in Calvary, we see Jesus finds him sleeping. And Peter realized, as he's writing to the congregation here, this circular letter to these persecuted Christians, that he dropped the ball. He messed up. He didn't take Jesus seriously about Satan's attack and how the mission of Jesus was being trying to be thwarted by Satan through Peter. And how serious Peter now takes Satan in his own life and what Jesus said about Satan. C.S. Lewis says there's the mistake that Christians make is two things. He said one of them is that they either take Satan as a joke. We saw that, didn't we, in the 70s with Flip Wilson, the devil made me do it. And on the other side of the corn, they ignore him. The word diabolos, the Satan, is used 54 times in Scripture. And there are many other references to Satan as the liar, the adversary, the accuser of the brethren. All of those are used for Satan. And according to the latest Gallup poll, 74% of people who say they believe, only half of them believe that the devil is really a true being. But it's a metaphor. Barna did a research study also, and he's found out that 32% of those who were believers believed that it was a symbol. The devil's just a symbol. And 11% say, well, he's somewhat a symbol and maybe could be. And then another 5% said they really didn't know. Now, I don't know where Christians get their theology that are surveyed in these. But the question they have to ask ourselves and we have to ask ourselves is the book, of Genesis to Revelation, it speaks about Jesus spoke about the belief of a devil, a personified devil. And either Jesus Christ was wrong, or our culture, or our tradition, or our friends that believe that he doesn't exist and is a metaphor have missed the boat. Because Jesus even said it in Luke chapter 10, did he not? He said, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Who did Jesus talk to when he was tempted out after he fasted for 40 days? Was it a figment of his imagination? Or was it an actual creature? When the Bible tells us that in Isaiah that Satan and a third of the angels were thrown out of heaven because they tried to rebel against God, is that mythological or is that the truth? We have to ask ourselves, what do I believe? 
about the devil. Peter is pretty strong here. <laughs> he lets us know that there is a devil, and he says he's your adversary. He is constantly working against you and me. For number one, he does not want you to believe that he exists. That's why he can get away with so much. Number two, he wants people to believe that good is evil. And evil is good. And man, is he at work real well in our society. Mel Gibson portrayed Satan as a very plain being in his passion of Christ. And while he was interviewed, they said, why didn't you portray him as ugly and nasty and diabolical? He said, because that's not the way he is. He's always sneaky, disguised, and we never recognize him and his work. And what we find here is the Bible speaks to us and says to us in 2 Corinthians chapter 11 that and no wonder for Satan himself transforms or disguises himself into an angel of light. That's his game plan. And one of the things that we need to do today as we listen and we look at Peter, he wants us to respect Satan. Not that we honor him or not that we do any allegiance to him. But he wants us to have a healthy respect towards Satan because he's active and well. And there's a lot of people who think, well, isn't Satan in hell? No, he's not. Jesus said right now he's the prince and power of the air and he's roaming the earth. And he's roaming all over as we hear in Job chapter 1. And he even goes to heaven in Job chapter 1 and says to God, what about Job? See, because he's all over the place. And that he has a third of the angels of heaven or demons working for him. And the neat thing about it is he's not like God. He's not omnipresent. He only can be in one place at one time because he is created being. But he sends his demons to do his work. And he works in our lives through them. And that he's not omnipotent or omnipotent or full of power. He's not like God. He doesn't have the power. God says, oh, he has some power, but not the great power that God has. Sometimes people ask, why does God allow Satan to still roam the earth? Why didn't he just take him out? Because he's part of the plan of God that challenges us and helps us to wrestle and to get that pure faith inside of us, and he tempts us just as he did to Jesus, to show the viability of our faith. And so he's allowed to do that. He's a father of lies, doesn't want us to see that he exists. He doesn't want the Christian to, to believe that good is evil and evil is good. He wants us to believe that. 
And so we have to respect them. We have a fellow here that goes to our church. He's an electrician. And, you know, when I go and do electrical work at my house, I don't mind doing my own work. And I'm surprised sometimes my eyebrows aren't singed when I come up here. But here, we have this electrician, and he does the work at the church for us. He's licensed. And he has such a respect for electricity. He turns things off when he works on an outlet. I don't turn things off. I just figure I can hook it up. He shuts the thing down so he can do the work. He has a respect for electricity and the power and what it can do to a person. And Peter wants us to have a healthy respect to know what Satan does and how he can work in our lives and in our families. That Satan is a dangerous enemy. He's an adversary. He's the accuser of the brother. And he works in so many formidable ways. You see, the thing about a lion, and, and that's what he's going to talk about in a minute. He sneaks up and gets right close. One of the things that we've seen this form of an enemy how he can exploit Christians. You tell me that there's not a devil. When we see the likes of great Christian leaders like Ravi Zacharias, who's helped many people on intellectual levels, and yet to do what he was doing, and the sin that had grabbed the hold of his heart, and the addiction in his body, or Bill Hybels, another great Christian leader, again, that fell. Satan is shrewd. He used those men. They gave him an opening. And tragically, they brought dishonor to the name of Jesus Christ. We see that again and again. He does that to make us fall. Think about how he caused David or Solomon or some of those others with the temptations. Yes, the Bible tells us that we are tempted on three fronts. You are bombarded every day. The world and its system and Satan works in that system. The flesh and the devil. And the devil plays havoc on those other two things. Think about the system of our world this week, how we were shocked. When a basketball player by the name of James, as we all saw, this guy, gonna, this gal going to stab this other gal and a police officer had to shoot her. And he says, that was wrong. Who gave him the right to say that anyway? But on the other hand, he is calling evil good and good evil. Look at that. And then to have a NBC Take the knife out of the girl's hand and doctor that video 
And we say to ourselves, are you kidding me? This is evil. But this is the scenario they want to play. And Satan is very much his hand is involved in that. And we need to recognize it. He's a great pretender. He's vigilant. He brings this stuff up. And that's why it's so important that we remain prayerful and in the word so that we know what he's up to and how he plays his game. There was a general in the Civil War by the name of McClendon. He was not a very good general, but he won his battle. And the reason why is because they intercepted uh, uh, one of the carriers that had the plan for the battle that he was going into. And he won it because he knew what the enemy was going to do. And God gives us his word and he says to us, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers and against powers and against principalities and forces of darkness. We are in a battle, folks. And it's coming at us full blast in our world. I cannot believe some of the things that we're seeing right now. talked to the middle school class this past week and about the LBG and, and about the, 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 the gender in sports that the NCAA is allowing men to compete with women in an unfair disparity that our own governor is thinking about. Here's these young girls who are at the top of their field and that all of a sudden an entrance of a male-born person, because he says he's cross-gender, can compete and beat her and win the title? No, that's a lie. It's a lie of Satan. And that's why Peter says, be aware. Look what he says. He says, he prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. He's seeking to devour our world, our lives. We need to recognize him. And he prowls like a lion. You see, lions are not very fast compared to those in the jungle. And they have to sneak up and get almost right on their prey. And you see, the Bible says that the Thief, which is Satan again, is another word for him. Jesus said, came to steal. What does he steal? He wants to steal our joy in Christ. He wants to kill our blessings. He wants to destroy our children and our marriages. And he wants to devour us. And this lion that he is sneaks up and he watches for weaknesses. And sneaks up and the great thing about a lion is their roar is incredible. Their roar, they say, is 93 decibels, 300 yards away. That's three football fields away. They say that when they roar in the night in Africa, they can be heard five miles away, their roar. That's how big their roar. And you know what their roar does? When they come up on their prey, they roar and it freezes that animal. And then they can jump and just maul the living daylights out of it and chew that animal up. 
so that they don't even resist or run. And he works to deceive and to scare. That's what he does. He's a terrorist. And you see, that's the rule of war. He's brilliant. God created this animal brilliant. And this is what Peter's trying to get us. He says, first he deceives. He doesn't want you to think he's there. Then he distracts. Think about how he tries to distract us from what is right and good. Jesus had a guy who he talked to, and the guy said, well, let me first go bury my dead. Think of Martha. All the busyness that she was doing, and rather than Mary, who was sitting at Jesus' feet, learning from Jesus about the truth, she was busy cooking pies and making sure everything was taken care of, and she was so busy, and she's worried about much. But so distracted, she didn't spend time with Jesus. Or you think about division. That's another thing that Satan will do. He'll divide. Look at the early church in 1 Corinthians. Paul is worried about the church being all divided up. Because they all had their celebrity picture. Oh, I like Paul. Well, I like Cephas. Oh, I like Apollos. And he says, did Paul die for you? Did Paul baptize you in his name? Is Christ divided? But that happens in churches. And the church falls apart because we're so divided. And then, of course, he works. Satan does a great job in discouragement. The children of Israel, who were so discouraged when they had sent the spies into the land, and Caleb and Joshua were looking at it with faith and saying, we can go in there, the Lord will give us the victory. And the ten other spies are saying, Man, they're big and they got big weapons and they're awful. We're not going to go in there. Because they got discouraged and they didn't have faith in Christ. See, and that's the way he works. He wants to cripple your walk of faith. He wants you to stop. And he looks for your weaknesses. Don't think that he was looking at Jesus' weakness when he tempted him. Here Jesus, 40 years in the desert, 40, 40 days in the desert, not eating, fasting. And what does he first do to Jesus? Well, Jesus, why don't you take those stones and make them into bread? And take care of your hunger. <laughs> he was trying to force Jesus to do against the will of his father. Or Jesus, put yourself on top of the temple and throw yourself down. And doesn't the Bible say that he'll protect you? See, he was trying to get Jesus to do an illicit test on God. He's trying to, Jesus, to force the father's hand. 
which is a sin. The third temptation, worship me. Cheap worship. You worship me and you'll have all this. And Jesus knew. That was just a farce. We learned a lesson well from Jesus, though. We follow what Jesus says, and he says, it is written, <laughs> you shall not tempt the Lord your God. Without hesitation, Jesus knew how to bite him. And the word. You see, the Bible says he's a liar. John 8, 44, he's a liar. The truth is not in him. And whether it was Jesus on earth or whether it's you and me, he is trying to bring and devour you and your witness. And then he says, but resist him. Firm in your faith. Not in your own power, but trusting Christ to give you the power to overcome him, knowing that the same experiences of suffering are being accomplished by your brethren who are in the world. Don't feel that you're alone because Satan is doing it to all the brothers and sisters. All of us have the temptation that Satan wants to throw on us. Satan is throwing us into the world and throwing things at you. Not only temptation, but the world in our own flesh, he knows our weaknesses and he's trying to pluck at you. And we're to resist him by faith, trusting Christ, growing his word. That's why Jude reminds the people of his day, beloved, while you were very diligent to write to you concerning the common salvation, I found it necessary to write to you exhorting you to contend earnestly for the faith which was once and for all delivered to the saints. We have this faith in Jesus Christ that's the power to overcome even Satan himself and overcome ourselves and our sinful natures and our flesh and the power of the world trying to throw on us its own agenda, its own word. It's trying to get us to believe the lie and trying to take truth and make it a lie and making the truth evil and taking evil and make it truth. Are we kidding ourselves? Our world right now, the media is trying to change our heads and minds and play with it. Don't buy it. And what Peter is saying is that when you resist him, don't you do it in your own power. You've got to do it in the power of the Holy Spirit. And through Jesus Christ. Not trying to take him on a forefront. Resisting does not mean mocking him. We have to have a healthy respect for Satan because we know he is trickery and he's trying to get us to cripple us. And please, this is what bothers me sometimes when you know you watch people on TV, some preachers on TV or preachers on the radio and you hear them. I rebuke you, Satan, like they're having a conversation with me. Are you kidding me? 
That's the worst. That's not resisting him. That's giving him joy. <laughs> it's only in the power of Jesus Christ we have victory. And faith is likewise. That we can resist his attacks. The attacks that he comes on to us. And that Satan tempts us to doubt. He attacks our struggles with belief. He tries to manipulate us. And let me tell you folks, when he does that, he, he's done that to the best of saints. <laughs> Think about it. Elijah. Remember Elijah, the prophet, solid as a rock. <laughs> and here Ahab and Jezebel want to have this contest with Elijah about the idols. And they set it up and Ahab and Jezebel can't get anything to happen. Can't even get their fires started. And then Elijah takes and stands against those 250 prophets of Baal and has them pour water on the wood of the altar and God lights it on fire. And here we have Elijah winning the contest. And as soon as he hears Jezebel angry and wanting to kill him, he runs. He's got the victory. God has given him the victory and he's running 40 miles away to hide from her. Not trusting God for his own personal safety. And then, hiding in the cave, he's so afraid. What does he say? Lord, kill me. Take me out. <laughs> Here he is worried about Ahab and Jezebel. After he gets such a great victory. And he folds like a cheap suit for crying out loud. And forgets that he's following the sovereign God who he has faith in. You see, it's easy, even after a great victory like that, to throw in the towel. And that's why we need to keep our faith stoked in the word of God. And to remind ourselves that he's the sovereign God, the Lord of the universe, and his dominion will reign forever and ever. And Satan will be thrown into the lake of fire. That's what hell's waiting for. And for all those who follow him. But in the meantime, he is here at work and in our midst. And we have nothing to fear as long as we keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. The word of God tells us to stand in Ephesians chapter 6 against those wiles of the devil. And we need to not be frail, but to be strong in the faith through the word of God. And so he says to us, be sober. Mentally and spiritually attuned in to realize the work that he does. To be watchful. As he creeps up as the roaring lion, waiting to pounce on us and to know the areas that he wants to jump on us. And be resolute to resist him 
and the Word, the Word of God, and then also to be together. You know, this is what James, uh, uh, Peter wants us to remember, that the body of Christ is so important here, that we need each other to support each other and to encourage each other and build each other up as the battle goes on and as he continues. You see, they found in a study that when animals stray away from the flock, they're vulnerable to a lion. And that stragglers, lions look for to pounce on, that get away from the flock. And they found that animals like warthogs are only killed 55% by lions because they're terrible to eat, but also they stay in packs. Zebras only 35% because they stay closer to their pack and they'll even defend each other. Impalas only 22% because they stay in a pack and they're very fast. But only 11% of the Thompson gazelles are ever eaten by a lion because they run in packs and they stay close to each other. And they fight for each other. And that's the picture of the church. And that, you see, we have the church of Jesus Christ to help us together stand tall. And then also our reliance upon Christ alone. And that's the beauty of this. Peter uses the lion. And when that lion growls in the middle of the night saying that I've got my prey. They growl at getting that prey. The alpha male ant, uh, the alpha male lion wakes up and runs towards that male because they know there's food and he'll take it away from the other lion. And guess what? We, the Bible says, have the lion, the tribe of Judah, Jesus Christ, who's much stronger than this lion, the devil, that tries to get us as his prey. And he can easily fight them all. And that's why we close today. Our last verse today, and I want you to remember this and memorize it, if you will, is from John chapter. And John is reminding his people not to fear the world, the flesh, and the devil. Because you are of God, little children. You have overcome it all. Why? Because he who is in you, Jesus Christ, the lion, the tribe of Judah, is in you. And greater than he is in you than he that's in the world. Let's pray together. Father God, I just give you thanks and praise for being such a wonderful God and making such great provision for us that we do not have to worry about the attacks of the world, the flesh and the devil, because we have our strength in you. Help us to have that kind of faith. Help us, Lord, to rest on you, be empowered by you to fight the good fight and finish the course. I thank you for these people and their love for you, Jesus. 
continue to hold them and be their lion to fight their battles. And it's through you, Christ, I pray this. Amen. Let's stand together and give worship to our God. And now go in the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God your Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit now and forever. Amen.